Well, hi everybody. Uh, thank you for your warm response. Uh, it's great to be here. And uh, if you are a visitor here, um, I especially want to thank you for coming. And I do hope you haven't just got caught out uh, because it's gift day, because we really are pleased to have you here. And to help you just orientate yourselves, we're in the middle, as um, Richard just said, of a series called Bless. And the heart of it is, is that we have been blessed by God to be a blessing. So I, I just can't put it any plainer than that. We, that's, that is the heart of this message. So one of the things that we say here in, in High Wycombe is that we are in High Wycombe for High Wycombe. We're in this town for this town. We, we have been blessed in order that we would be a blessing. Now on the gift day video that you just saw, that is just part of our desire to serve this town. We are in this town for this town. However, this series is about everyone being involved, connecting with communities, individuals, it's blessing the people that you meet, those at work, your family, friends, neighbors. And because it's like that, it's personal. It's very personal. When you encounter and know Jesus Christ, it is exactly that. It's personal. That's why this is a series where we're all involved, every single person involved. Let's hear Heather's story, shall we, before we go on. I'm Heather Saunders, and I've been at King's Church for 30 years. I used to go to church as a child and as a teenager, and then I stopped going to church for many years. After I was married and had small children of my own, I returned to church. I wanted my children to have the opportunity of input from a church environment. But really, I realize now it was just something I did on a Sunday. When my first two children were quite small, I was asked to return to work as a speech and language therapist in a locum position one and a half days a week. I agreed to this and I used to leave my children at the hospital creche while I worked. During this time, through my work, I met Dorothy Wells and one day she invited me for coffee which I thought was an unusual invitation in a way, but I, I had no hesitation but to accept there was something special about this lady. As I got to know Dorothy, she spoke about her faith. We both knew that each other went to church, but I knew that her Christian life wasn't like my Christian life. In fact, I knew as time went by that I wasn't really a Christian at all. She spoke gently about her faith. She spoke about Jesus being Lord of her household. I had no idea what that meant, but I wanted to know. After the six-month locum had finished, a few months later, I was asked to work again, this time a one-day-a-week locum for six months. I was at Dorothy's for coffee, and I was telling her that I didn't know what to do about returning to work again because I hadn't really enjoyed putting my children in the hospital creche. And Dorothy said, well, could I look after the children? And something struck me about what she said. She said, I love them like my own. 
and I knew she would. And so we discussed it, we came to an arrangement, and my children went to her every Wednesday for six months. They loved going to Dorothy's. I knew they were happy there, I knew they were well cared for, but what I didn't know was that she was praying for them, and she was praying for me. She would go to Downley ladies' meetings and take my children with her. And the ladies there would pray for my children, and the ladies there would pray for me. When I found that out afterwards, I was amazed that people would pray for someone they didn't even know. A while later, we moved house, and on the day we moved, Dorothy arrived at our new house with a cake she'd made for us. I had never seen or experienced that sort of blessing before, but that was Dorothy. She demonstrated that sort of love. After a while, I decided it was time I came to King's Church to find out what it was like here. I knew it would be different to the traditional church I was going to, and it was. People were alive. People had something going on inside them that I didn't understand, but I wanted to know more about. And I know now that that was the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in them. 30 years later, Dorothy and I are stronger friends than we've ever been. Over the years, that friendship has deepened and deepened. I'm grateful that God used Dorothy to bring me to faith. I really, I really like that personal story. It sort of reflects the heart of God, to give away like that. Mission has always been God's heart, the mission to bless people. So this is nothing new. You can peel this right back to the very beginning. You go to Genesis 12, and God says to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And then he says, and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. I will bless you and you, you will be a blessing. So I want, God has always been this way. So we've endeavored to make this series as practical as possible. So it's just simple works for me. So that's why it's so simple. It just really works for me. And in our small groups, we have asked the question each week, so who have you blessed this week? Now, this is not to catch you out. It will put you on the spot. Actually, it's so that we can encourage one, one another with what God is doing amongst us as a group and with those in our group and the opportunities that God gives us. So it's a place of encouragement. So we have this acronym. It's BLESS. And uh, it underlines five key practices for us. So you've been in this a little while. So the B is... Let's try that a bit louder, shall we? You're a little bit soft here. Are you really sure? So the B is, and the S, and the L, and the E, and the S, that's today. And the next S, yeah, I know we haven't done that, but you're right, a story. So it's, uh, it's good, it's good. So uh, you know, as a staff, we've been on this for, we've been working this out for over 12 months. And i just like you to know we're still working at it. We're still working at it. And if you feel you've hardly started, I'm telling you, don't worry. It takes a while to get it in 
embedded into your thinking. So don't worry. The important thing is that you start and that these practices become part of your lifestyle. I love Richard Horn's message last week, especially the title. It was Eat for Jesus. I mean, that's a great title, isn't it? Yeah, well, minds serve for Jesus. Now, listen, listen. I, I know it hasn't got the razzmatazz, but it's absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. So we're going to Mark's Gospel and uh, ch- chapter 7. If you have a Bible, open it and go to Mark 7 so that you know your way around your Bible. If you haven't, as you can see, the words will come up on the screen behind me. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee, verse 31 this is, and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephratha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. And you know, I can't blame them either. I am... This is an unusual healing, you have to admit. This is unusual, and uh, I wouldn't want anybody here, I just don't want the responsibility of anyone here who believes that they suddenly have had a revelation that they have a ministry of anointing people with spit. So I I just want to let, just if you have had that revelation, try it somewhere else, please. And, And to assure you all the more, Spoken to Richard Lodge, who has oversight over the prayer team. I am assured that this is not a practice that is part of the prayer team training program. So you can come and be prayed for at different times, knowing that you're not going to be anointed with spit. Okay, that's over. So there are some principles here that uh, this passage uh, outlines that are helpful for us. Now the place, Decapolis, is an unusual place. It's predominantly Gentile. That means non-Jewish. It was like being at home in Rome. Very Rome. And yet you sense this is one of those places Jesus had to go to. So if you recall right at the very beginning, we looked at John chapter 4, the woman at the well in Samaria. And the, 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 the apostle John writes this. He says, now he, meaning Jesus, had to go to Samaria Last week, um, Lisa uh, gave uh, just a little talk about a story about feeling she was at home and needing to get out. And she went out and she went to the park. And when she went to the park, she saw this lady on the bench who was sobbing. And she sat alongside her and she just listened to her. And then she talked a little bit with her and prayed with her. And the thing that caught me about Lisa's story was is that she felt she had to get out. She felt she had to, she had to go somewhere. 
And I don't think, I, I might be reading a little bit too much into this passage, but this is an unusual place to go to. It's an unusual journey. And you have a sense that there's an intentional thing going on here, that Jesus has to be in this place. We're not told that that is true, but I, I sense the intentionality. And then you read that there are some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. Now, the first key word I want you to catch today is proximity. The vast majority of people who Jesus served were in close proximity to him. That means they were near him. They were either in the crowd, they're close to him. In this case, the man's right in front of him. Now, we do this as a church. We do proximity as a church, and we do it personally. So as a church, we serve this community. That's what you heard from the Gift Day video. We're serious about people. We are ser- people, it's people more than projects. We're serious about people. If you come here on a Tuesday and a Friday, you will see this place utterly changed. You won't recognize it. There's kids all over the place and there's moms here and one or two dads and all the rest of it. And it's buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Why? Because we're serious about people. It's a mother and toddlers. It's called Little Stars, Tuesday and Friday. It's just brilliant. And then we are serious about people. We, learn, we have a learning English as a foreign language, we do parenting courses, students, homeless shelter. I could go on, but I don't want to take up all this time here. But there's numerous activities we do. We are in this town for this town. These are the people near us, around us. But this series is primarily about who we meet personally. I suspect that on those, those lists of people... I don't think they're full of strangers. I think they're people you know. People you know personally. Friends, who you work with, neighbors, even bus travelers who go on the same bus as you. It's all very ordinary, my friends. Ordinary people changed by Jesus, changed the world. It's very ordinary. You don't get a Nobel Peace Prize for loving your neighbor. But it's where we start With people near you, right in front of you, this is who we serve. And this is what Jesus does. Now, I just want to remind you, um, a couple of weeks ago, Sally came here and spoke, and she spoke on the listen part. If you've not heard that, then I encourage you to download it, and guess what? Listen to it. So, um, it's, it's very good. And I want to talk a little bit about that because one of the best ways we can serve people in a very busy culture that we have is to listen to them, is to give them, listening takes time, and that's the precious commodity. When we serve people by listening, we give them time. It's a huge kindness. It tells people you're interested in them. It tells people that you will give them time. It tells people that you will value them. I, um, you know, it got me thinking this week as I was writing this. I was thinking about my own journey in faith to Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I suddenly realized all the time that people took with me on my journey of faith. I mean, the questions that I had. It must have been relentless. And my objections... 
boy, did I object. I mean, that was relentless too. And then there was my attitude. And they absorbed it all. It takes time to do that. All these people, I thought, how, how loving that people would give me so much time. Genuine interest. And busy is often about me. You know, my schedule, my time. So here's a health warning here. Serving can seriously interrupt your life. You heard it here. Serving can seriously interrupt your life. It can interrupt your day. It can interrupt your schedule. It can interrupt your plans, my friends. Because often we're so absorbed about me, me. Uh, It reminded me of Muhammad Ali, brackets the greatest, who's on a plane flight and there's a storm coming and um, he refuses to fasten his seatbelt. He isn't going to fasten his seatbelt. And uh, things going in the airplane, fasten your seatbelt, fasten your seatbelt. Attendant comes to him, fasten your seatbelt, fasten your seatbelt. And he refuses. And finally he says, and some of you probably know this, Superman don't need no seatbelt. <laughs> to which the attendant replied, Superman don't need no plane. It's a great response. Here, serving reminds us that we are not the spotlight. And we're going to give this away. And we're going to take the spotlight off ourselves and serve others. So I was thinking about this topic. I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks at least. And I found myself earnestly looking for opportunities to serve. And I realized why I was looking for these opportunities. It was so that I could come here this Sunday morning and tell you, and this is what I did, and this is what I did. Da-da, wrong motive. Wrong motive. And, um, I did, but I did get an opportunity for, to give my neighbor a lift into town. So I was walking into town, and I, well, I thought she was walking into town. So I drove up and opened the window. So would you like a lift into town? I was thinking, serving, uh, like a lift into town. No, I'm just going around the corner. So that scuppered that one anyway. But listen, opportunities will come. And here's the thing. You could be so absorbed with yourself, you miss it. It could be right in front of you. Right in front of you, proximity, right in front of you. And you miss it because you're so busy and so tunnel visioned about what you must do. So, look for it. Listen, serving is no strings attached. You come away because we want to serve and love people. It's not to come away with, oh, this is my blessed story for the week. I can go to the group and tell them my blessed story. No, 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 no. It's no strings attached. It's purely to serve. Why? Because we've been blessed and we want to bless others. God will give you opportunities. He will do that. So, second... Proximity first. Perceptivity. I want you to know how perceptive Jesus is. He takes this man aside. It's an interesting phrase, took him aside. It reminded me when I was young and uh, at my home and my parents wanted to take me aside. It normally wasn't to tell me good news. 
This is different. This is perceptive. I think the last place this man wants to be is in the middle of a crowd. How many times have people made fun of him? How many? How many times? How many times has he been the butt of jokes? Whereas somebody who thinks they're really clever and wants to elevate themselves makes a joke about this man and all his friends laugh. I wonder how many times. Or what about the imitations of him? Because it says here that he was deaf and he could hardly speak. So did, did, did he have a stammer or a stutter? or I mean, how did that work? And how many times had he been subjected to that sort of behavior from other people? We say kids can be cruel, and, and that's true. Do you know, and sometimes, let's face it, adults may not be a lot better at times. Perceptive. Jesus is so lovely with this man. Crowds are uncomfortable places to be. I guess this man does not want to be the center of attraction. I guess he wants to blend into the background, be neutral, unnoticed. Jesus takes him aside. I don't think this is just, oh, uh, away from a few people. I think he really takes him aside and he values him with personal time and personal space. I think that's so important. He wanted this man to understand that he's not here to be a spectacle. He's to be esteemed and valued in his own right. Jesus is serious about him. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So he tells the story of being in a New York subway, quietly reading his book, when he's interrupted by two boys and, uh, who got on the stop just before and with their father. And they were loud, out of control. They were jumping up and down, running loudly through the carriage. The father didn't seem to care, and he didn't even seem to notice the disruption that it was causing other people. Stephen Covey finally is exasperated, and he, he says to the father, you really need to control your children and teach them some respect. And the father sat there, and he agreed. And he said, yeah, I, I just don't know what to do. I really don't know what to say. We've just come from the hospital where their mother died. And then everything stopped. And he uses this story to remind us that we need to seek to understand people. And the people that you know and that you work with, even closely, don't you assume you know all their story? And often there are layers of stories And then you find out something, you go, ah, I get it. So let's seek to understand. That's being perceptive. Our young people went to New Day um, for a week in Norfolk, 7,000 young people. And they, not 7,000 of ours, we took a number of ours. And under 25% of ours... Well, it's a Christian festival. Under 20, just under 25% of ours were not from church at all. Not from this church. 
It's just, and their friends, church people, had connected with them, and some of them had made quite a journey with them and invited them into this thing on New Day. I thought, how lovely is that? That's, if our young people can do this, come on, surely we can. So, very perceptive. Thirdly, it's personal. So, as Jesus, as for Jesus, he, he puts his fingers in the man's ear, spitting, touching the man's tongue. <laughs> Sorry, that's personal. I mean, there's no other way to hear. That, no other way to say that. That's personal. It's unusual. We don't have to make a healing doctrine out of this, I can assure you. But just a point, he does touch the man. And I remember in Mark's gospel, in chapter 1, there's this leper that comes to Jesus. And he falls at Jesus' feet. And he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you, you can heal me. And it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. When was the last time that man was touched? When was the last time that leper felt the warmth of skin upon skin? The warmth of a person's hand. When was the last time? Before he, before he does anything, he reaches out his hand. He touches. There's something about touch, my friends. There is something about touch. I know this is a bit odd. But there's something about touch. Our Jesus is not some God with dis, disinfectant gloves on his hands. He comes among us. And then I'm caught with what happens next. Because in verse 34 it says, He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly by the way. But it means be opened. In the original language, the sigh that Jesus makes is like a deep personal groan. This is more than perception here. This is Jesus entering into this man's world and feeling the pain of this man's life. Jesus is connecting what this man has gone through. Our Jesus is deeply affected by people suffering. And let's not think any less of that. He's not some sort of serving dispenser, cracking out, cranking out, you know, acts of kindness. He said, oh, this is what the Son of God does. Act of kindness, act of kindness, act of kindness. He's not like that. He's not like that. This is so personal. He feels the depths of this person's anguish be opened. Now, at the moment of saying that, it would appear that the power of God is accessed. So you've got proximity, you've got perceptivity, it's personal, but it's also powerful. Be opened. He prays for the man, looks up there and prays for the man. Be opened. If you get opportunity to pray for people, you're going to have a moment where you're going to go, shall I? Shan't I? Shall I? Shan't I? No, do it. Do it. Go for it. I find that people are, they feel very valued that you would actually say, would you like me to pray for you? Maybe not everybody, but most people will go, 
Yeah, I'm happy about that. Des and I have prayed for people in this last 12 months on our list that we have never prayed for. I don't mean from a distance. I mean being in the room and prayed for them. I, I have, we asked somebody, can we pray for you? Please pray for me. And then on another occasion, somebody said, asked us if we would pray for them. They're in the room, not from a distance, in the room. So we've had some opportunities that, to be quite honest, uh, have been absolutely wonderful. How wonderful is that to invite God into the circumstances and lives of our friends and families like that? How wonderful is it? Prayer. Let me just read this um, quickly to you. Um, There's a man who has a job. And uh, it's not the job he wanted. It's in a store. But he decides he's going to... He asks God if he'll use him in the store to bless people. And he begins with prayer. And, uh, and then he gets to know the boss quite well. And they have this conversation. The boss is not a Christ follower or anything like that. But God comes up from time to time. And he notices his boss is unhappy. And he goes to him. He says, is something wrong? And the guy says, yep. He says, my son has broken out in, in hives, which is a skin rash. It gets lumps and burning skin and stinging. And he says, it's really severe. The doctors can't do anything about it. And he can't go to school. So he's at home by himself. And this man actually is a um, single dad. And he said, I'm just really worried. So this, the other guy in the store goes... Would you mind if I pray for God to heal him? And so he, he wasn't sure what the guy would say. And, but he, he said, go ahead. The boss said, go ahead, do it, please. So he found a bathroom because it was so busy in the store. He found a bathroom, went into the bathroom and, and got a place of quiet. And he prayed. That, and he just said, God, you know I love this guy. And he's hurting. And I know what you can do. So please heal his son. Please take away this skin rash. Anyway, he goes out. A couple of minutes later, the boss comes over to him. He says, that prayer thing, you know that prayer thing? It works. Your, your God must be real. Because my son just texted me two minutes ago and said, Dad, you'll never believe this. All my hives have gone. That, there's no guarantee of those things. But... There are opportunities you never know, do you? So grab an opportunity to pray for people. Yeah, so I'm coming towards the close. Uh, the heart of this series I, want, I just want to come to now because I'm concerned that we might end up with some sort of mechanical process. So the mechanical process goes pray, listen, eat, serve, story. Pray, listen, eat, serve, you can see that mechanism getting in there. But this is not the heart of Jesus. So careful, careful. This is not the heart of Jesus. So you go to Philippians 2. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 7 as we finish off here. Philippians 2. Second part of chapter, verse 5. And it says, have the same mindset... Same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, 
Being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. It's important how you understand that phrase. The words up and how it works. You can look at it like this. So we keep the words up here. You can look at it like this. We could take it from the perspective that Jesus, who in spite of the fact that he was in nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So you can come at it, you know, in spite of the fact. If you do that, you'll end up with a condescending, patronizing God. It's not like that at all. You must miss that out. You don't go down that route. What it really is saying is that have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who precisely because he was in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to use his own advantage. This is the very nature of God. This is exactly what it's like. You know, when Jesus comes in the form of a servant, he was not disguising God. He was revealing God. Again, he comes in the form of a servant. It's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing. This is the very nature of God. This is what Jesus does. Comes among us. Doesn't feel the need to grasp at power. He lives off the life of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He sees a world full of suffering, injustice, pain. And he takes all upon himself, all of that, on the cross that we might have this life of God. The sin of the whole world, Jesus takes on the cross. Let me finish with this last story. Donald Miller, Miller tells about a story, a soldier. He's a Navy SEAL. He's on a covert operation to free some hostages. And the team flew in by helicopter. They made their way to the compound, stormed into the room where the hostages had been imprisoned for months. The room was filthy, dark. The hostages were curled up in a corner, terrified. And when the soldiers entered the room, they heard gasps from the hostages. They stood at the door. And they called to the prisoners, telling them they were Americans. They asked, come on, follow me, follow me. But they wouldn't. They sat there on the floor. And they hid their eyes in fear. They were not of healthy mind. They didn't believe the rescuers really were Americans and were there to rescue them. The soldiers stood there, not knowing what to do. They couldn't possibly carry out their mission. And then one of them had an idea and he took off his helmet and he put down his rifle. And he came to the hostages and he lay down alongside them, close to them, and he wrapped his arm around them. None of the prison guards would have done that. None of the prison guards would have done that. And he stayed there for a while and then the hostages started to look and they looked into his eyes. And then the soldier whispered to them, you've got to come. We're Americans, come. And he stood up. He said, will you come and follow us? And they said, they start to stand up one by one by one. And they took them all out, all of them willing to go. Jesus is the one who has come that close to us. And he drew us by his love. 
and he's come to serve us. This is our Jesus, come so close among us. This is our God. And he says to us, follow me. You want to be on a mission with Jesus? Then let's be like Jesus. So who are you going to bless this week? Who are you going to serve? You can think right now. Do you know what? I could write that letter. I could write that card. I could send flowers to that person. I could have a cup of coffee with them and I know they need encouragement. I could do this right now. You can make your mind up because otherwise a week will have gone and then you'll move on. You can do it right now. Who, who are you going to serve this week? Jesus says, follow me. So we are here to be a blessing. Amen.